the islands, birds, death and decay that feeds new life, warm, cold, peace, violence. These are the words spoken by Rey in The Last Jedi when she is asked to fill the Force by Luke Skywalker. This is a beautiful way of describing the Force that we have for so long talked about and wondered and theorized. It speaks of the circle of life and how nature truly lives. It lives and then it dies. It experiences positive and negative influences, death, decay, but also beauty and love. It is everything all at once that life, capital L, is all about. And the Force is the guiding force that ensures there is true balance in the universe. It has been said that everyone is a part of the Force, and this theory pairs well with that. There are also those who study and practice skills that, are, that allow them to use the Force in ways one can only dream of. Telepathy, telekinesis, the power of prophecy, physical feats that could be deemed miraculous. These Force users are able to tap into the Force and become more than they become wielders of the threads of the universe, and that's a lot of power to have. Some use it for the good, for the light side. Uh, they fight as Jedi, the peacekeepers of the galaxy. Others succumb to the temptations and the power of the dark side. They become Sith, whose code says it best uh, when wanting to speak about their values. Through strength, I gain power. Through power, I gain victory. Through victory, my chains are broken. The four shall free me. Then there are those who straddle the line, those who you might say encompass the spirit of the force, for they are more balanced than both Jedi and Sith. Uh, but all force users, those light, those dark, and those somewhere in between, will be up for discussion today. It's time to draft our four horsemen of force users. Welcome to another episode of the Planet Fantasy Podcast, and we're your hosts. Hello, uh, this is Damon, and what's up, guys? How y'all doing? What's up? Uh, this is Kyle, as always, and uh, we are joined by our guest today, Ryan. How's it going, man? Hey, guys. Um, yeah, it's 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 good to be on and uh, getting ready to uh, to talk some some force. Ah, yes, indeed. <laughs> uh, Ryan, uh, could you tell the folks at home a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, so I, uh, I'm 31. I live out here in uh, sunny California, though thankfully not too sunny right now. <laughs> um, yeah, I enjoy all things fantasy, Star Wars, Marvel, Game of Thrones, Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter, you name it. Um, also enjoy sports and uh, attempting to have a social life. So, you know. um, and uh, yeah, just uh, trying to survive these... Uh, quarantine times like everyone else so yes amen that's why we started this podcast we were going yeah crazy bored <laughs> um well Ryan, it's very good to have you uh you've, you've been saying you've been listening in on our podcast and that's really great to hear uh we love having your feedback and everything and uh we love to have you here as a guest it sounds like you might end up being a guest a couple more episodes down the line 
Thanks. Yeah. I'm, you know, hoping it goes well. And yeah, if, uh, if you called upon, I will serve. <laughs> All right, Kyle, uh, Ryan, are we ready to, to tell the folks what we're going to be drafting today? Oh yeah. Let's do it. All right. So we kind of got into it with the intro. So we are drafting our four horsemen of four Caesars. And just to give a breakdown of what four horsemen means, uh, you know, you might be familiar, uh, familiar with the four horsemen of the apocalypse, you know, um, and we kind of t- are going to take this idea and run with it because we think it's a better better alternative to Mount Rushmore. Because let's face it, we don't like Mount Rushmore. We don't like what it stands for. And we would love it if they, you know, pretty much sanded those faces off of it one day. Uh, are we in agreement? I mean. <laughs> Just replace um, them Replace them with, uh, you know, George Lucas, George R.R. R. Martin, and a few other Georges. <laughs> Oh, I don't know about the George Mountain either, but, you know, (laughs) that would be better than what it is now, I will say. Um, But essentially, we're just going to be talking about our four Force users in the Star Wars universe that we think embody what it means to be a Force user. Uh, We're all going to kind of have our own spin on what we think uh, it takes to be in our top four. And, of course, we're probably going to have some some battles and some stills of people. So... uh, I think this is going to be a really fun one. Um, and I, I think that pretty much explains it pretty well. And if you want to, Kyle, uh, tell the folks what we're going to be doing for our uh, list game. Yes, of course. Um, and also just quickly, just to be clear too, we are, um, as usual, everything is on the board. Everything. We're not just going with uh, the new Disney canon. We are including um, legends, video games. If you've seen them or read about them and they use the force, they're on the table. Um, I know for me, that makes me very happy because I'm a big legends fan. And so just to yeah, clarify that. Um, and so for our list game this week, we're going to go with one that I am sure to lose. Uh, we're going with names or types of ships in the star Wars universe. Um, we love a good spaceship. And so, um, I guess uh, Ryan is our guest. So Ryan, if you want, you can go first or you can choose to, to go last. It's, it's up to you, my friend. Sure. Okay. Um, I'll, I'll go first then. Uh, I will pick uh, an X-Wing fighter. Okay. Um, right. I'll, I'll go second. Are you, would you like to go, Kyle? No, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, Millennium Falcon. Love it. Get the um, easy ones. Yeah. Slave one. Oh, that was a good pick. Uh, okay, I'll go with the Scimitar, which was Darth Maul's Sith spaceship in Episode One. Oh, that's Ooh, a great one. Yes, uh, I'm going to go with the Ghost. You know, the Ghost Crew and the Rebels. My personal favorite. Um, okay, I'm going to go with the Death Star. Classic. <laughs> Cool. Um, I will go with um, my personal favorite, uh, the Ebon Hawk from Star Wars Nice the Old Republic. Nice. Oh, man. Ryan, you know way so many more ships than I do. Uh, <laughs> um, I'm going to go with... We've, we have, we have, we've already done the TIE Fighter, of course, right? Mm-mm. No. no. TIE Fighter. Nice. Um, let's see. Five seconds. Uh, 
We already said X Wing. Three, two. Yep. That's one. it. I'm out. Uh, all right. First out, Ryan, uh, lead us up. Okay. Um, I'll go with uh, the U Wing from uh, Rogue One. All right. Um, this is where I can't think of any. There's so many more. Mm, I I'm blanking. I'm out. Nope. That was pathetic. Oh, <laughs> uh, Ryan, uh, you can name probably th- at least three more. Can you? Yeah, I got I got a I got a few in the um the the journal. So, <laughs> <laughs> would you mind sharing with the uh, the crowd at home? So you know they think they kind of got a, a you know a good amount of uh, ships. <laughs> Yeah, um, so the next one I would have gone with is the Naboo Royal Starfighter, um, those gold ones from episode one. See, I had no idea what the name was. I wasn't even going to try to guess. <laughs> yeah, there's um, the, the Y-Wing, the classic uh, from uh, A New Hope, um, Return of the Jedi, and Rogue One. Um, also uh, from Return of the Jedi and seen a little bit in The Last Jedi is the A-Wing, the sort of small speedy fighter that the rebels and then the resistance had that's right um then you got the uh the mon calamari cruiser which you see uh <laughs> admiral akbar and admiral radis on in uh, yeah. various movies um and you have the uh, the rebel transport which you see them taking off from empire strikes back when they're escaping the base um so yeah, there's there's a, a lot of them out there um, that you pick up across various movies and other uh, canon and non-canon. I applaud your ship knowledge. Uh, I will say I did not study at all. So um, yeah, me, me too. <laughs> so Ryan, that leaves you with the choice, the the key choice of this draft. Uh, what will the order be for this draft? Oh yeah, that's that's a tough one. You can go first. You can get the turn. You can pick second, though. I'm not sure if anyone would ever pick second in a three-person. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll go third then. All right. Good call. And then, uh, are we just going to go what we were out in order, or did we want Ryan to, to choose our spot also? Um, I, I say it's it's Ryan's call. Yeah, Ryan, what do you think? Uh, who do you think should get first pick? Um, uh, I, I think I, I, we'll go off the game. So, Damon, you can go first, and then Kyle, you can go second. All right. Awesome. I won't argue. <laughs> so, <laughs> that gives me the first pick in the Four Horsemen of Four Caesars draft. And if anyone listened to our past Star Wars draft, they will know who my number one pick is. And it's going to be Ahsoka Tano. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, have, I, I can't not pick Ahsoka. She's just my absolute favorite. Uh, she won me over. Just watching Clone Wars was just a revelation. Um, I, I loved Star Wars. And then watching Clone Wars... Um, I believe I started in 2012, 2013. 
um, when it finally hit Netflix, or was that 2014? Um, it's when they added season six, and I was just hooked. I watched it all in like, I don't know, a month, and Ahsoka was just my favorite part of the series. She's so brash and, and naive and such a, such a kid in the very beginning, and what I love about it is we get to see her grow over time and really become her own person and really question things, question the status quo of being a Jedi. And and that's why we see eventually she is no longer a Jedi. She considers herself Ahsoka. Um, I consider her a badass. Um, I I just, I I think I had to go with Ahsoka to essentially, I wanted to kind of hit all kind of levels of the Force users. I wanted kind of dark. I wanted light. I wanted to represent the Jedi um, and, and for Ahsoka, I really just wanted her to represent the light without having to be that, that order of the Jedi. I, uh, she really went out on her own to really figure out what she meant to the Force, what the Force meant to her. And mm-hmm. I think as we see her going forward in Rebels, uh, she's so much more confident. She's so much more calm and poised. And I need that spinoff season, that series where we find Ahsoka and Sabine. Yes on Ezra because I, I need yeah. more Ahsoka especially if she's going to be a Mandalorian thank you everybody um, so you know I'm not <laughs> going to spend too much more time on Ahsoka I, I've, I've said a lot about her before on, on the press, uh, past episode so I'll just, I'll just stop there uh, this is you know it's one of those it almost seems like a no brainer um, she I am so upset that I didn't get to pick her but I I knew Damon was going for it as soon as he got the chance. And I love it. I can't, I can't be mad. You know, um, she's, she's a no brainer. I think that Ahsoka, um, you know, forgetting force users just for a second, when you're just talking about the arc of a character in star Wars, hers is arguably one of the most complete arcs. Um, she really, really grows in those seven seasons of, of clone wars. And, uh, she's such an exciting character because, yeah, like Damon said, there is still so much more to see. Um, we have not seen her full journey yet. Um, I'm so excited to see her on Mandalorian. Uh, and yeah, she really does. Damon really put it well. She um, encompasses all of the aspects of a Force user, both light and dark. Um, obviously, we know that she chooses the light, but she struggles with both. And um She's one of those characters where as you see her progress, there is just you more than just seeing the character in the present, you see all of the potential for what's to come. Um, and I think that there's just so much uh, power in her from the get go that just naturally just grows and uh, progresses over the series. So that's that's a great first pick. I love it. Ryan, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, it's she's definitely worthy of um, the number one pick, to be sure. Um, she's really, like, the beating heart of um, two of the main series in Star Wars, uh, definitely mm-hmm. of the Clone Wars. And uh, Rebels, too, um, somewhat of a lesser extent, since she's more of a supporting character. But still, um, she's, at, and ironically, though, she's more of a leader in that because uh, she's experienced and um, she knows the fight and she's she's willing to do what it takes you know, I like I imagine many Star Wars people when Clone Wars started, I was a little skeptical. I was like, you know, they're going to add Anakin's apprentice. Like, how's that going to go? 
Um, right. you know, we're getting a totally new character to, to be sort of the main part. And as you said, Damon, she's, you know, she's young and immature at first and, and kind of whiny. And, um, but I mean, she just, she grows so much and she's so important and such a good character. And, um, you know, she does help obviously explain Anakin's turn and why it's so painful to him, but she's so much more than just like a plot device for Anakin. She's a incredibly powerful and good character in her own right. And she really drives the series and especially um, the new series for Clone Wars that just dropped um, just the last arc of her uh, on Mandalore and then order 66 was just phenomenal. Yeah. Do y'all consider that like, you know, that little arc, the best part of uh, Clone Wars? I, um, my initial gut reaction is to say yes, just with the context that's applied to it. And obviously it's probably the most important arc. Uh, I really go back and forth between that and the Mortis arc. Yes. That has a special place in my heart. So I think I'll have to rewatch them both before I really have a concrete decision, but it's close. It's certainly really close. Yeah. Yeah. I I agree. Um, The Mortis arc's definitely up there, but my gut reaction is for the the Mandalore one. Um, mm. The Onderon arc also was really special for me. Um, yeah, it really sticks out, and so I, I put that one up there too. You know, speaking of Mortis, real quick, that's really connected to Ahsoka as a character. You know, uh, with the uh, I, I'm forgetting the name the uh, the Owl Spirit mm-hmm. that always follows her around. Yeah. You know, it, 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 I mean, we, we have to believe it is what it's the sister, right? In, in the, in a other form. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, I, I, I think, you know, just bringing, just to think of that, that, that being such another great arc and, and, you know, I think most of the best arcs are going to be tied to Ahsoka, either her, her or Obi-Wan personally. I, I think Obi-Wan is also super strong in, in Clone Wars, but let's not go there right now. I do have uh, just, I want to ask y'all a question about Ahsoka before we move on. Where do you rank Ahsoka as a fighter in the Star Wars universe? Oh, interesting. Um, Ryan, what do you think? Ooh, um, wow. She's, I mean, she's way up there, right? She, um, you know, she, is one of the best fighters during the clone wars. Um, she survives order 66, which is something that not many Jedi did. Um, right before that she defeated and captured Darth Maul, which is something that no one really else did in the Jedi. Like, you know, Obi-Wan obviously beat him and, um, and almost killed him in uh, Phantom Menace, but that was sort of a fluke. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and then you know she uh, she, she goes toe to toe with Vader in uh, in Twilight of the Apprentice and Rebels, which is one of the best episodes across both series, hands down. So yeah, so I mean yeah, she's um, I don't know, definitely top ten in terms of Force fighters, maybe top five. Yeah, I would I would agree. I um, one thing I really love about her, and you know she she was on the board for me, but when I was looking at, I wanted to really go with um, just kind of across the board force users. And, and what I love about her is that she is not only incredibly adept with the force is that she can hold her own with a lightsaber. I mean, she's incredible with a lightsaber. And so, yeah, like Ryan said, I mean, uh, capturing Darth Maul is no small feat. Um, and she held her own, you know, against Vader and she's certainly 
I don't know where I would rank her. I, she's certainly in my top 10, um, but certainly one of the most dynamic fighters. I'll, I'll say that. I agree. I mean, I, I just love her, her acrobatic and aerial ability that she mixes in with her dual lightsabers. I, I love when she added the Shoto blade. Um, yeah. She's just so confident with it. And I, I would say she's in my top five pretty confidently as far as the fighter goes. But, uh, you know, I may have to think about that a little bit more. Um, but, you know, let, let's move on to the second pick, Kyle. Who are you going to roll with? All right. Um, so for my first pick, I'm going to go with um, – <clears throat> Allow me, uh, indulge me for a second as I put on my best Ian McDiarmid voice. Uh, have you ever heard the tragedy of Darth Plagueis the Wise? Uh, I am a huge Plagueis fan, man. And when I think of Force users, I think of people who are inventive with the Force. And what I really love about Darth Plagueis, uh, not counting the way his life ends, uh, he treats the force like a science and he treat he approaches it like a scientist trying to push it to its limits and trying to um explore new things he can do with the force and i love that um if you haven't read the the novel that james lucino wrote uh called dark plagueis it is phenomenal it's one of my favorite star wars books um and it kind of spans you know, quite a few years. It tells you know the story of starts with uh, uh, Plagueis killing his master Darth uh, Darth Tenebris, and um, just ruthlessly you know they end up in a spot where Tenebris is is vulnerable and weak, and he just he strikes right away um, because he wants to do away with the rule of two. He's all about power. Um, and, you know, we move on from that. He is a, he's the CEO of a, a banking clan, which is such a weird, random thing in the Star Wars universe, but I love it. Um, and so we see that side of him as well. Um, but, you know, it spans across that. And then as he meets um, Palpatine on Naboo and he becomes his apprentice, starts training him as Darth Sidious. Ultimately, we know that he, you know, his, his hubris, much like many villains in our beloved franchises, much like Voldemort, um, he, his hubris is his downfall. Uh, he wants power, and that blinds him to the fact that Sidious, you know, also wants that. And, um, but uh, before that happens, he just does an incredible amount of, like I said, he treats the Force like, like a science. And he is always trying to manipulate the midichlorians to... Um, to bend to his will because he wants to live forever. And so um, I just really love that take on the force. You know, a lot of times in star Wars, we, we are shown the force as kind of a, a mystical spiritual thing, which I think is incredible. I think that that is the force at its best. Um, and I love that that's the way it's, it's presented in the star Wars movies, but um, the way that play just kind of, played around with the idea of the force was always just so fascinating to me. It's something I'd never really seen before. Um, and so I love it. I think that he is just, and also just when you talk about the character himself, he is just absolutely ruthless. Um, like I said, he kills his, his master Tenebris and uh, without a second thought, because again, he's all about power. He's all about how he can make himself, you know, live forever. And so um, I just love his story. I think that he, uh, you know, 
whether or not George Lucas wants to say he's canon or not, I think that he is uh, just one of the most iconic um, characters out there. I think that he just his story was always one of the most compelling to me. Uh, yeah, Kyle, I, I love that pick. I personally don't know a lot about Darth Plagueis. Uh, I really do need to read that novel. Uh, it sounds super intriguing, but oh, it's phenomenal. I, I just love the shadow that he that he kind of casts over kind of the entire series. Really, being you know the the master, the trainer, uh, the teacher of Darth Sidious, Palpit, Palpy, you know, and and. We see Palpatine throughout the almost, you know, every episode, really. He he is in every single episode, I believe, in some form. And right. he, he's just so conniving. And we see how he's able to just pull the strings of everything. And I love the fact that I feel like everything he learned was from was just Darth Plagueis. And I felt like he just took it to a whole, whole nother level. And and I love hearing that story of Darth Plagueis and in the prequel series and and just the, the thinking of the idea of this this guy who wants to learn to become immortal and and before he was able to his old apprentice just just kills him you know just just gets him and we actually see him almost be able to achieve the feat of that his master wanted to and i i love that parallel and that kind of the evolution of the master and the apprentice and how they kind of evolve over them i i just really like that that idea of of uh, Darth Plagueis, you know, paired along with Palpy, uh, Palpy. So, Ron, what do you yeah. think? Yeah, I, I mean, it's a uh, it's a fascinating pick, Kyle, and and yeah, I agree. Uh, Plagueis is a, a really interesting character. Um, he's a really great sort of like what might have been, um, yeah. you know, like if he hadn't been killed by by Palpatine, you know, what? How would the direction of the Sith gone? How would the universe have gone? Because he doesn't seem quite as just power for power's sake kind of hungry that, that Palpatine is and so it would have been really interesting seeing him uh, you know really push his vision um, there's a, another character out there that's an, another Star Wars um, what might have been that uh, might get picked so I'm not going to say who it is but um, <laughs> well, I guess it, he's fascinating in that aspect and it's it's just funny and you know another shout to Ian McDermott um the sort of like disdain that Palpatine has in his voice when he talks about how Plagueis could protect everyone, but not himself. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> just sort of really like drives home the the point in that, you know, he was, you know, he was clearly power hungry and, and, you know, dark, but not, not as ruthless as uh, Palpatine or as he should have been maybe. Right. I, I just love how Sith just seemed to like, just become friends just so they can hate each other forever until they kill <laughs> one other. You know, it's just a really weird system they got going on over there. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I, I didn't have any questions even prepared for, for Darth Plagueis. Uh, I feel, I feel lame now. Uh, did anyone have any, any thoughts or, or questions they wanted to ask about the guy? Yeah, I, I did for, for Kyle. Um, and I'm not really sure how we're like, structuring the teams per se but did you envision Plagueis as sort of like the leader of your horsemen or as more of uh you know like a, a guide um you know exploring sort of the uh the more vague and um unknown aspects of the force sort of in the background so um that's interesting uh 
the way I was approaching this was really, you know, we say horsemen. I was approaching this as just kind of like the four cornerstones of the force. But um, now that I think about it, with this as like the t- a team, which man, this is going to make for some really incredible, unique teams. I think um, Plagueis would really be that guy in the background. You know, he although he wants power. And, you know, we, we always love a Sith who wants to be at the forefront and wants to be the leader. Um, I think that because of, you know, like I was saying, he's so methodical about the way he's trying to learn the force and learn what he can do with it. I think that he would be the guy in the background that kind of surprises you. You know, the leader is the one who's the more, maybe the more menacing, um, character. And he, uh, is kind of the flashier um, villain per se. Um, but Pelagius is the one who would maybe surprise you in the end. And he's the one who's stabbing you in the back when you least expect it. Because again, he's, he's in the background, not really throwing his name out a lot, but just kind of trying to learn the ways of the force and learn how he can manipulate them for his, you know, his devices. Cool. Okay. I do. I, I came up with a question. I really like that one. And the answer this is for both of you. Who would you cast as Darth Plagueis in a Darth Plagueis movie? Oh boy. Um, you know, it's interesting because we don't, I mean, we don't get a ton of information about him. He, we know that he is a, I hope I'm pronouncing this right. Immune. It's M U U N. Um, and they're described as, um, very pale looking, uh, a very pale looking kind of vampiric race. Um, I would go if we're going like current actors, you know, say like tomorrow we get a a prequel film about Plagueis. I would say maybe someone like um, Michael Fassbender would be really interesting. Uh, we've already seen him play kind of toe the line between villain and hero with with Magneto, but he does just bring such a really cool gravitas to his performances that I think would be really necessary for this kind of role. I love that pick. And I'm looking at a picture of Darth Plagueis and he's got like kind of a elongated forehead, uh, a yeah. very long like jaw and, and cheekbone. Yeah. It, it's, it's odd. Uh, who yes, do you think you have? Sure. Yeah. I, I think Fastbender's a, a really good pick. Um, I was just sort of thinking about it. I'd go with uh, Brad Dourif of uh, Lord of the Rings, Grimmer, Grimmer One Tongue fame. Oh, I love that. Oh, yeah, wow. I think his performance and his sort of like creepy, ethereal nature would be uh, really interesting and I think would portray Plagueis pretty well. Yes, and always <laughs> always up for more Brad Dorf. <laughs> I yeah. love that. That's awesome. Cool. I, I hadn't even thought about who I would choose. Um, definitely someone with just a lot of presence, a lot of poise, someone who has, you know, who can just demand attention while not even saying anything just with a glance. I, I would go with someone like I'm thinking, um, turning around ideas in my head. Uh, you know what I'd go with crap that, that, you know, that is a tough one. We're going to come back to that. I will have an answer later. Um, <laughs> but I, I think let's, so we should, we should move on to the next pick and we're going to be to uh, Ryan's uh, first two picks. All right. Um, great. So, geez, this, <laughs> this is hard. I feel like I'm still juggling the, the top two that mm-hmm. I had on there. 
Um, but yeah, I'm going to go with someone. And uh, if I remember correctly, this character was not picked in the original Star Wars episode, which I was surprised by. Um, but it's a person who helped bring down an empire, um, a character who, uh, you know, was stuck on a, a desolate desert world for a while before uh, being taken away on adventures in Millennium Falcon, uh, a character who was a, uh, a great pilot and a great Jedi and very adept in both of those. And of course, I'm talking about uh, Rey Skywalker, um, Revenge, Rise of Skywalker version of Rey. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. Ray is just um, she's she's incredible. She has so much raw uh, strength initially. Um, I mean, she you know, she beats Kylo in a lightsaber fight at the end of The Force Awakens with basically no training, um, and then you know she helps him take down um, the uh, Praetorian Guard in uh, the Last Jedi, um, and then you know, pilots the, the Falcon to helping the, uh, the resistance eventually escape from that. Um, she's by, by rise of Skywalker. She's just a incredibly proficient lightsaber fighter. Um, but she's also expanded her force powers. Um, she has, uh, you know, force healing, uh, which she picks up, which, uh, to that point at least is not really a power that's shown on screen. And none of the other Jedi seem to have been able to do that. Um, and she also um, forms the really interesting force dyad with Kylo, mm. um, which eventually allows them to like move items through time and space uh, as she's able to get him uh, the other lightsaber uh, during the last um, showdown uh, with Palpatine. Um, and like Luke, uh, her... Um, her tutor she's able to uh, face off against her dark ancestor uh, and defeat him um, this time killing Palpatine permanently probably unless there's some uh, sort of weird recon after <laughs> uh, but yeah she's uh, she's just really incredible um, and I'm hoping that uh, even though there's probably not going to be any more movies with the Skywalker set we do get some more info and in other media forms about uh, where Ray goes uh, after Rise of Skywalker. I love it. Damon, what do you think about this pick? I, I love it. And, you know, I really am kind of sad that we didn't have Ray in our, our previous draft. Um, hmm. I honestly didn't even think about her. Uh, it's just I, I love so many different Jedi and Force users and, and, and people in the Star Wars universe. Ray is high up there. It's just I feel like she just doesn't hit my, like, super obsessive like favorites so i yeah. always kind of you know don't for think about her but she's easily one of the strongest parts of the sequel trilogy uh she's so wide-eyed with wonder and curiosity as you see in force awakens and then as you see her character grow she becomes so strong and, and very confident in the force and she really has very small amount of training in it um like she really didn't even get too much training with Luke um, in the last Jedi. Um, but I, I just love her poise going forward. I, I like you said, uh, when we see her in rise of Skywalker, she's just, she's, you know, evolved and eclipsed all of that. And she's become Ray Skywalker. Um, I, I would love to see where she goes after this. Um, whether, like you said, I don't know if we will, hopefully we'll get some sort of closure. Um, but 
I, I, you know, I kind of didn't like, you know, you know, uh, putting the lightsabers into the ground like that or anything, but you know what, uh, you know, not to talk about the sequel trilogy, but let's talk about Ray. And I think I like her probably more than anyone else in the sequel trilogy, to be honest. So I, I love this pick, man. Yeah, this is solid. I, Ray is such a fascinating character. I think that she is, um, I think the way that, you know, she so, so many times that the way the character was written could have fallen flat, if not for the way that we're introduced to her. Um, I think that in The Force Awakens, the way that we meet her, you know, she's just this scavenger who really longs to belong somewhere and she longs for her family. She doesn't know where she comes from. And that's so fascinating. And that's also so true. I mean, that's uh, so connected to the DNA of Star Wars. Um, and so, yeah, her journey across the, the sequel trilogy is really, really incredible. And um, you guys both said it. I mean, there's so much just raw strength and power uh, that she shows, even from The Force Awakens, you know, um, the fight that she wins with Kylo Ren. You can tell the whole time that she only because she hasn't discovered this power. That's the only reason it's like a close match. I mean, I think, I think, I think that if she was a, a, a fully formed Jedi in that moment, she would have absolutely destroyed him. Um, you can tell there's like brief flashes in that fight, which by the way, is just one of my absolute favorite fights in, in star Wars. It's so incredible. Um, oh, agreed. Uh, I think that, you know, just you see flashes of like that raw Palpatine, uh, power as she's fighting him and I love that you know uh, I wasn't the biggest fan of the reveal that she is a Palpatine but I you know they did their due diligence and even in The Force Awakens you w- watch the way that she wields her lightsaber it's like oh there's something familiar about that and I think that they did a good they did a good job of setting it up um, and so yeah she's she carries so much strength um, one of my favorite scenes in Rise of Skywalker is when she uh, is trying to um bring back the ship she and kylo are kind of fighting to gain control of it and that shot of lightning bursts out it's, it was a truly shocking scene you know it's like wow i mean we three films in still don't know the 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 depth of power that she has um and i really love the idea i think probably my favorite idea from the entire trilogy was this uh idea of this force dyad you know um Going back to my pick, you know, Darth Plagueis uh, initially tried to form a fight force dyad with his apprentice with Sidious and failed. And and so the idea of Rey and, and Kylo being that that dyad, that perfect um, pair of the force is so interesting. And that's I love that. And yet Rey is just I mean, when you think about um, just uh, everything that epi- epitomizes the balance of the force, she really does by the end of this trilogy um bring that she brings you know the balance and i love i also love uh that she forms her own new lightsaber and it's yellow that's so cool to me um she kind of starts to pave her own path by the end of this this trilogy so really really great call i love it um where speaking of the path you know that she's gonna follow where do y'all see ray going after rise of skywalker Mm. Oh yeah, that's a good question. Because like, is she is she gonna? Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I was just gonna ask some more questions. Yeah, go go ahead. 
Oh no! I what I I was just gonna say I I don't think it'll I don't think it'll be essentially a repeat of what Luke did about like trying to form another Jedi Council. Right. Uh, I think she probably will find someone to tutor. Um, maybe not a Padawan, maybe as more of an equal. Um, but I think she'll probably end up exploring. Like you know, she she was stuck on Jakku the whole time, and you know she was searching for a family and then she was in the middle of a war and i feel like she probably wants to see more of the galaxy and and really like try and then live a life that isn't you know now that she's found a family that that she chose um and and friends that she can really um you know try to live and explore and 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 see what's out there yeah I, i agree i think that um yeah when we meet her all she all she knows is jaku and so um, I, I think that it would be a lot of exploring in her future. I also think that she would kind of go the direction of, um, you know, towing that line, finding that balance. Uh, a lot of the ideas that were set up in The Last Jedi were about leaving, you know, those, um, leaving the Sith and the Jedi behind and, and finding that new path. And I think that especially after Rise of Skywalker, you know, she had such such an intense connection with Ben and he that's all he stood for and so after losing him i think that she would want to continue finding that um that new path and kind of leaving the ideas of the sith and jedi behind um you know we saw in the end that she still carried you know she still sees luke and leia um they were you know as close to a father and mother um as she had uh, han to but you know she so i think that she would honor their legacy but also try and find something new and um who knows maybe she ends up you know uh tutoring people like you know the broom boy in the last jedi um but i think most of all ryan kind of nailed she would just want to explore because you know she is that kind of personality who's always wanting to know more and be and be more educated and learn more and so yeah i could see her and chewy you know flying the falcon around uh, Naboo or you know anywhere just kind of exploring and finding new planets and I think that would be really uh, cool to see I, I definitely agree I, I, I need a Ray story with Chewie where they're exploring and they find an older Ezra Bridger oh, man. and go That'd from there cool. yeah I, love I need that, that. alright Ryan pick number two okay jeez oh, this is a uh... Man, these are both really tough. Um, there's a lot of good choices out there. Um, but my next pick is a character um, who is also uh, a gray force user, although um, she is more of a dark gray force user than uh, I would say Ahsoka is more of a light gray. Um, and that's Asaz Ventress. Oh, my girl. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, I think the first time we're introduced to her is in the Tartakovsky Clone Wars, and she's yeah. just a uh, force in that. Um, but you really don't get much inso- insight into her character. Like, she doesn't even really speak that much, um, other than, like, the few brief exchanges with Count Dooku. Um, but you really dive into her character in Clone Wars, and it's it's really great, and she starts off, you know, uh, you know, raised as a, one of the witches on Dathomir and then becomes, uh, I guess, a dark side assassin because she's not technically Sith. Um, and then once she's betrayed by Dooku and Sidious, then um, 
you know, she, uh, as I said, becomes more of a, a dark gray, uh, force user, definitely more towards the dark, but, um, with some light side qualities and, uh, she's not afraid to, uh, to work with the people who were her enemies like Obi-Wan and, uh, Anakin and, um, she has a fascinating, you know, tale throughout the Clone Wars. And then also, um, I don't know if you guys have read Dark Disciple. Um, it's one of my favorite uh, Star Wars books. And she teams up with a Jedi named Quinlan Vos, um And the, the Jedi Council, not to give too much away, but they make the decision to uh, assassinate Count Dooku, which is something that the Jedi almost, you know, never sanction. And, of course, you know, Ventress has no love for Dooku at that point. So she's... Uh, a somewhat reluctant uh, participant in this uh, this mission. So, and it's just a it's a really great look into her and um, really into the cost of war and to what you are willing to do to try to end it and and to how that um, you know how those decisions play out. Hmm. I love That's that pick. I, I think yeah. all of us were going to pick her at some point if no one else did. Yeah. Uh, Kyle, uh, what do you think? That's cool. I've I've not read Dark Disciple. It's been on my my list for a long time. Um, you said Quinlan Voss. Does he have any relation to to Dryden Voss? I don't believe so. Um, okay. Yeah. I, gotcha. I, yeah. Do you remember um, Quinlan Voss in Clone Wars, Kyle? He was in an episode. He was the one who could oh, okay. by touching. He could uh, see people's memories by touching items they had touched. That's right. Okay. I love it. Okay, awesome. Um, but yeah, Ventress, uh, this is a great call. You know, on our last Star Wars episode, obviously I talked about how how much I love Ventress. Um, she represents just everything to be scared of with the Force. Uh, she also just has a really cool arc on the Clone Wars, um, taking on so many different roles. Um, but yeah, she's one of those characters who just fully takes advantage of her power and her abilities in the force. And, um, you know, in a fight going up against her, I would be pretty intimidated. Um, (laughs) I think that, yeah, I, I think that, um, yeah, I mean, she just is, is fully in control of, of the force. And, um, it's interesting to see so many different characters in so many different ways that they approach, how they use the force you know a lot of people um have this respect for it and like this relationship with it almost and ventress it's almost just like a vehicle and a weapon to her and i love that that's so cool uh to see everyone's different um perspective on it and yeah ventress is just a a force to behold no pun intended (laughs) yeah i think that's um that's a really interesting way to look at at her and her relationship to the force and it makes sense given her backstory and, and how like every time she's been involved with force users, she's been betrayed essentially. Like, you know, yeah. when her master um, was killed and uh, you know, no help came, you know, she blamed the Jedi for that. And then um, her brief relationship with the Sith obviously ended up in betrayal and almost killed her. And so it's like, she, she clearly has those gifts and she's going to use them, but mm-hmm. she has not had good associations with other force users. And I think that, um, is definitely part of, uh, of her character. Yeah. I, I love that. I, I love Asajj. I love all Dathomirians, to be honest. I, I They always get really good storylines and character yeah. arcs. No kidding. Um, 
for real. Um, I just love her her confidence, like her how much uh, her art exudes just this like this sexual like the sexual confidence that she always plays with Obi Wan. You know, always. <laughs> I, I yeah. love the chemistry they have. Um, and you know, you mentioned Dark Disciple. I really wish they could have shown more of something like that with her character. You know, maybe going through season five and six, and even maybe seven. Um, we could have seen her turn a little bit more and maybe, you know, uh, Count Dooku. Um, I really wish we could have gotten that because Dark Disciple does sound like such a great story. Um, I, that's really the only thing I have to say about Asajj. I, I wish we could have seen more of her uh, in the later seasons. Yeah, me too. Um, yeah, I agree. But uh, did anyone have any questions about uh, our, our Asajj Ventress? All right, I think we're going to move on to uh, Kyle's second pick then. Okay. Um, so uh, to contrast with my first pick, this is a character who... Um, I shouldn't say contrast. Uh, this is still a relatively dark character. Um, someone who I... One of my first exposures to Star Wars, you know, before I... Before I saw the prequels, it was, you know, the original trilogy, and then it was Knights of the Old Republic. Um, I I played that game to death growing up. You know, I just loved that game um, and came to the second one a little later. Um, but, uh, you know, the primary antagonist of Knights of the Old Republic 2 uh, is, is Darth Nihilus. Um, this is a character that, again, is just so fascinating to me. And uh much like Ventress is hella scary too. <laughs> um it's interesting with a lot of Star Wars villains, you know, we have your power hungry villains, you have the ones who want to live forever. You have the ones who started out good and then kind of fell to the temptations of the dark side. Nihilus, I think this is Lucasfilm and Star Wars's answer to um kind of to like the monsters uh, as villains. You know, he, he is basically a force vampire. Um, he is able to use the force in a way, he uses the dark side in a way to basically feed off of other people's energy. Um, just to give some background to, to Nihilus, he, um, let me pull these notes up. He, basically he, where was it? Um, there it is. He, he survives the activation of something called the mass shadow generator super weapon, um, uh, at this planet called Malachor five. Um, and essentially, um, this shadow just obliterates everything on the planet and being exposed to it, uh, makes him like hunger for force energy, um, and having that hunger starts to kind of ravage his body. And so he has to feed off of other people, you know, light or dark, other people's force energy to survive. Um, so he really is like this, this um, force vampire. Um, and I think that that in and of itself is such an incredibly interesting idea um, in Star Wars. We don't really see that a lot. And again, you know, he's, he's the villain, the primary villain of um, Knights of the Old Republic 2. Um, and just an absolutely just terrifying presence in that game. Um, and you know, he, 
forms this uh, triumvirate with um, Darth Treya and I can't remember the third person. Darth Sion, that's right. Yeah, they form this triumvirate, and um, they all have their individual names, and he becomes known as the Lord of Hunger, which is so cool to me. I, I just love that. He, so he just, ultimately, what he is to me is just such an interesting idea. You know, I talked about play just being kind of the force scientist. Um, Nihilus, on this team of the four horsemen for me, is kind of just that, like, that terrifying like vampire character who everyone is afraid of and he just is unleashed during battle to feed off of other people um and that's such a cool idea i would love to see that somehow represented on the big screen that would be so cool um i i just think honestly across the board the force has like there's so many different force abilities um that have not yet been seen on on screen um and this is certainly one of them that would be just uh really really cool to see so so nihilus is uh my second pick oh wow ron what do you think about that um it's a it's a great pick uh nihilus is fascinating as a character um i i think a, a forced vampire is a really good um explanation i he also reminds me on a bit of a smaller scale to Galactus uh, from the Marvel Universe. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I mean, KOTOR 2, um, and maybe this is just because I played the first one so much, but I actually enjoy it more than the first one. Mm. Um, and I think he comes along at the perfect time for him, sort of, because the galaxy is weak and... Um, the, the Jedi are in hiding, but unlike, say, during the Empire, like, there really was no hiding from Dark Nihilus because he could feel you through the Force. Yeah. And so, um, you, like, they had to confront him and defeat him at some point. Otherwise, he would have ravaged, um, you know, first, obviously, the, the Jedi and then the remaining Sith, but really the whole galaxy because, you know, we learned that the, everyone's connected through the Force, even if not everyone is able to use it. Um, and so he's just, he's that sort of threat. Um, and it, it, like you said, Kyle, it's, it's not a portrayal of the force or of force users that we've really seen. And it makes it so interesting in, uh, how it uh, comes across. Wow. Yeah. So y'all are giving me, I'm, I'm kind of lame. I never ended up getting to play Coder 2. Um, I only played the first one. Uh, I just really wasn't super big into computer games as a kid. Uh, I know I'm lame, but mm. what I was saying was uh, <laughs> it just gives me these super big visuals of a super epic movie of of Sith and Mandalorians and Jedi all joining together to to sl- to slay Nihilus, and I think that would be so epic. Why hasn't this happened yet? Yeah. Um, I right. you know I didn't know too much about Nihilus. I've seen more of his picture than I've heard about him, um, but everything I hear about him is so creepy. I, I, I think it's about time Star Wars really dives into that that other that you know that other that su- more sci-fi the darker sci-fi feel um, the more the almost the horror aspect of it uh, I feel like we we're craving something like that and I hopefully we'll get it soon I, I love this pick and I actually almost want to buy Coter who just to play it and see him in action. Oh man, I can't, I can't recommend it highly enough. I, I mean, I have been wanting just in this like quarantine, obviously with more spare time really to dive into the star Wars games I haven't played before. So I, you know, I, uh, 
played, you know, Star Wars Bounty Hunter a while ago. Um, that's one that kind of I missed when it came out initially. But I really want to get back to Kodor and Kodor 2 because those games were just so instrumental to my love of Star Wars growing up. And yeah, I mean, Nihilus is just, uh, I mean, Lucasfilm, just give us a movie of like maybe him just attacking Stormtroopers, like a straight up horror movie. That would be so damn yes. cool. Um, yeah, I, I don't have any questions for Nihilus other than the look of him is is so scary like i don't think anyone i've seen in the star wars yeah. universe really just has that kind of presence just by a picture yeah for sure and i love the mask the mask is like one of those iconic images um again growing up it's one of the first things i associate with star wars uh and he really is like he's i'm looking right now at this uh this picture of him from the the fandom website and he he kind of is like star wars's answer to a dementor um just that terrifying he's very cloaky <laughs> a lot of him is just a black cloak and he uh again that mask is so cool and he just yeah he's just has this really really scary they should have called him the sith reaper yes i love it i'm gonna do that now (laughs) (laughs) oh uh any any more thoughts on on on, uh, the sith reaper before we move on (laughs) i'll I'll take that as a no uh and i i'm gonna go ahead and roll on to my second pick then um I'm really liking these so far, and let me get to my list because I don't even remember who I have for a second. Uh, aha, yes. So my second pick, I, I wanted to hit another corner of, of the force. I wanted to to highlight the, the dark side uh, without really highlighting the Sith because I, I don't like the Sith. I, I like, you know, I like the ones who are able to take the darkness of the force without having this very strict you know, rule of two thing. It, it's very, very exhausting. I, I like those who are able to get away from it and really excel. Someone like Darth Maul, for example. Um, this mm. guy really went places yes. after he was kicked out uh, unceremoniously. Well, I mean, I guess he technically got cut in half, thrown out of shaft, and thought he was dead. <laughs> that happens. <laughs> but once Daddy Palpatine realized he was alive, he didn't care. He, he was already on he had himself another little little sugar sith and uh what you know so what darth maul does is he just causes chaos going forward he runs shit i mean we see him put together the shadow collective uh he essentially runs mandalore for a while uh using a puppet uh pawn um we see him later on become another secret leader of crimson dawn uh He's great. You know, he, he really learned from Palpatine being able to play the strings without, you know, showing his hand, without being the, the front of everything. I really love that about Darth Maul. He really kind of learned, he really picked up a lot of stuff from Pal. Um, I love his, his storyline with Sav- Savage Opress. You know, uh, Savage finds him and helps him, and then they just go on a rampage. Uh, he wants to kill Obi-Wan, which, by the way, is might be my favorite like rivalry and hatred in all of star Wars, it's yeah. Darth Maul and yeah. Obi-Wan. It's just like, whenever he hears that name, he just gets that, that ugly scowl and grimace on that awesome face. And I just love it. I love Darth Maul because he's so strong and intimidating. 
such a talented fighter. But then as you go, you know, you see him progress. Like I said, he's, he runs organizations very well. He, he's very manipulative. He sees the plan going forward. He sees tons of possible moves um, and he's able to plan and prepare for them. And I, I love Darth Maul for that. Not to mention his aesthetic is just bar none. Like I remember first seeing him as a little kid, Phantom Menace, like, that like I feel like that's what sold so many of those tickets to the kids who really didn't know much about Star Wars to start off with. They were just like, "Holy hell, who is this crazy horn guy with this double uh, bladed lightsaber?" Um, I still want a double bladed lightsaber because of Darth Maul. Um, so yeah. I, you know he he's dark and he has that a uh, you know he's really tied to the Force even. Um, and I really wanted to point that out before I move on. Um, just that. He, he's really very motivated to to learn the secrets of the Force. And though, of course, it is kind of just to destroy the Sith, he really hates the Sith, guys. Um, Palpatine really ruined him in that department. And, you know, his, his uh, kind of uh, destiny to, to destroy it didn't really work out. But I, I love to see that he, uh, in towards that, his last episode in Rebels, when... Uh, with his fight with Obi-Wan, which was so exhilarating and tense. I, I love that fight. A lot of people might not. Uh, it was so quick. I love it. One of my favorites. Um, but he dies knowing that, you know, there's a possibility of a, of another chosen one to, uh, to bring balance to the force. And he's kind of, you know, cool with that. And I, I just kind of like love that ending for Darth Maul though. I wish we could get, so much more from him show us give us a season of darth maul another series i'll take it all give me more darth uh, yeah <laughs> ron yeah. what do you think yeah um i i agree give me give me more darth and, and hopefully more Kira too um yeah but uh he's a really good pick and um i it's funny after um after episode one um again you don't know much about him you just know that he's an awesome fighter and he's full of rage he's sort of like star wars version of the terminator um but then uh you really get into uh you know him in the clone wars when he comes back and um how he's just so obsessed with obi-wan and um how even when he does achieve things like he takes over mandalore he you know becomes a crime syndicate um you can tell that his obsession with Obi-Wan and to a lesser extent, just sort of like being abandoned by the Sith is just sort of eating away at him. And um, it's what doesn't let him move on and really, you know, achieve what he could have been theoretically. Um, And it's all the more, it makes all the more interesting what happens to him in Rebels when uh, he meets a much older Obi-Wan. And, you know, he thinks it's just going to be a repeat of, you know, the, the, all the other times they fought, um, post, uh, Phantom Menace, I guess. Um, but he doesn't realize that, that Obi-Wan is focused and he has, uh, his mission of protecting Luke. And so he's not gonna, you know, mess around and, and get in another long drug out fight with Maul and he's just going to finish him. And, um, yeah, it's just he's he's such an interesting character, and um, even though he is able to come back, um, he's not able to come all the way back, and some of him is still in that pit uh, in Naboo. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love it. I uh Darth Maul is just like to me that is the definition of just an enduring character. You know, he could have been just a one and done villain in Phantom Menace, which I think would have been such a disservice to how cool he is. Um, obviously, he's the best thing about that movie, but the way that he's been brought back so many times, he this is going to sound like a strange comparison, but I, when I think of him, I think of the quote that Thor has in Infinity War, um, and I can't think of the exact verbiage, but he says something about, you know, uh, I've killed so many enemies, and every one of them would have rather killed me, but none succeeded, and I'm only alive because uh, fate wants me alive. Uh, and I think that that's so true about Darth Maul. Like the dude just keeps coming back. He's just always around the corner. And every time he's back, I'm like, okay, I'm okay with this. Give me more Maul. Like Damon said, give me another season, another series, another fill in the blank. Cause I'm, I'm here for all the Maul content. Um, but yeah, Maul is awesome. He, uh, uh, talk about like iconic, um, visuals. Uh, he, you know, Star Wars has always been really cool about showing just these really unique uh, alien races and having a distinct look for all of them. And the Dathomirians, I think Damon said this earlier, just all of them are so cool and are all given such cool stories. But um, his look is just so awesome, so iconic. And uh, big shouts to Ray Park for really um, first introducing this character and i think if not for him he would not be such an iconic character i think ray park just the physicality of that role was so cool and uh yeah i want to double play the lightsaber too i think that that's a cool um use of a saber and um yeah maul is just like i said he's more than anything he's just such an enduring character and is always there he's always going to show up and fuck things up and i (laughs) I love it he's 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 so speaking of him always being there where he wasn't there um i think might have been a very big flaw um do y'all think the prequels suffer because Darth Maul is not is dropped so fast? Uh, do you think it works maybe better if he's there in some capacity in episodes two and three? Um, I think so. I think that one of the the strengths of the prequels is that it is set in an era where Jedi and Sith are so active. And I remember the first time I saw. You know, the prequels, that was my biggest takeaway. It was, you know, whereas with the original trilogy, it's like the Jedi and Sith are a long forgotten pastime. And with this, you know, they're everywhere. There's a Jedi Council. And so, you know, getting like Count Dooku and General Grievous and all these people. And then with Clone Wars getting so much more, I, I yeah, I think having Maul around for two and three would have been interesting. Um, it would have maybe been cool to see him have that rivalry with obi-wan that we do get to see later on um in parts two and three that would have been a cool kind of you know because the main story is anakin and his fall but you know i think we can all agree obi-wan is one of the best things about that trilogy um and so you know seeing seeing that rivalry and conflict between him and maul maybe getting a rematch in episodes two or three would have been really interesting maybe you know i love general grievous but swap out that fight for like maul showing up and fighting obi-wan would have been really cool um but yeah i i to answer your question um i think that it would have been very nice to see him play a play a role smaller big in in episodes two and three ryan what do you think 
Yeah, it's it's interesting. I I, th- I think the prequels might have uh, done better uh, with Maul coming around. I don't know. I I think more of their failings um, is that they get like too deep in the weeds, re- re- you know, involving galactic politics and federations and, and mm. banking clans and whatnot. Um, what I <laughs> what I think is interesting is the fact that you don't see him again. I think it just sort of compounds the Jedi's failure because they get, they sort of get lulled into a false sense of security. Like, you know, even though they fight Dooku and he's got a red lightsaber and he's, you know, rebelling against the Republic, they're like, well, you know, he's not, he's not really a Sith, you know, he's still one of us. Um, they're sort of unwilling to, to see what's going on uh, with Dooku and uh, with the Sith. And, uh, you know, once Maul is gone and they can never really track down Sidious, they're just like, well, well, you know, that that was probably the end of it. And they 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 don't really see what's in front of them and, until it's too late. I like that. Mm. Um, yeah. I, I think it um, go ahead. Oh yeah, I was just gonna say, um, Kyle, when you talked about visuals earlier, um, that that visual in the Phantom Menace when Darth Maul lights the second lightsaber blade. Yes. Like that's, so that's Oh god, so you know, cool. You know, Maybe because I saw I was a kid when I saw Phantom Menace, but it's just like whoa, like where did this come from? And you know, Qui Gon barely fought him to a draw on Tatooine, and now he's got another lightsaber. Like how how is it gonna work out? And it's it's just so it's it's incredible. Oh man, I, I... yeah. One of my one of my favorite images from that okay. movie. I'm sorry, Damon. Um, one of my favorite images from that movie too is in that final fight between the three of them when they're when the um the shields come up and you know you see Qui-Gon kind of like meditating and you got some Maul and he's just pacing and like, like swiping his saber like, like that, a rabbit. that more than anything epitomizes yeah it, it epitomizes what Maul is he's just this force of like rage and like he just wants to fight <laughs> that's like my favorite image yes that movie. easily um you know, I, I agree with all those points. I, I would almost hesitate to say he should be in the movies only because I don't know what that does to Clone Wars. And I, I love his story arc in Clone Wars. So that would be my only hesitant yeah. hesitance uh, for it. Otherwise, I, I think I would definitely rather have him than General Grievous. General Grievous is all right, mm. but he's no Darth Maul. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, you know, we're going to go ahead and move on to my third pick because we did go ahead. We talked about them quite a bit already. So, you know, let's, let's just not, you know, let's just go ahead and jump right to it. Obi-Wan Kenobi is my third horseman uh, of Four Seasons. Mr. Ben hell's Kenobi. Um, you know, he, he was honestly my favorite Star Wars character before Ahsoka came around. Um like you said, he was probably the best part of the prequel trilogy. Um, Ian McGregor was so good. Um, he was funny. He had great timing. You know, I honestly think his chemistry with uh, Anakin was not bad. You know, everyone will hate on Anakin in the prequel trilogy, but as far as his scenes with with uh, Obi Wan, not bad at all. I, I really enjoyed those for the most part. Um, with everyone else. Yeah. <laughs> Obi-Wan, <laughs> I just love his character and what we see from the prequels and, and then in Clone Wars. And then, of course, our introduction to the guy is, is Ben, the crazy guy, the old man that lives in Tatooine, you know, that Luke just kind of knows. And 
he turns into the, to be this Jedi, this this ancient mystical warrior, you know, that Luke doesn't even know anything about. Um, and then I, I love to go backwards and see, like you said, where where there's just Jedi everywhere. Uh, we're we're full filled to the brim with Jedi and Sith, and seeing these awesome fights. Um, Obi Wan probably owns three of my top five favorite fights in in the Star Wars universe. It's it's safe to say. Um, and I love Obi Wan as far as being a Force user because he's the prototypical Jedi. And not in a bad way either. Um, I think he really shows their their patience, um, their willingness to follow the, the, the guidance. Um, he was a stickler to the rules, uh, even to his detriment. Um, rest in peace, Duchess Satine. Yeah. yeah, I still get sad about it, but but that 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 really <laughs> just shows what kind of person Obi Wan was. He was. He was true to to the force to to the Jedi Order because he he pledged himself and he wasn't going to go back on that, no matter you know what he uh, you know other possibilities there were and you know he was in love with her they were in love and and it just didn't happen I, I firmly believe because Obi Wan was also was just married to the force um, to the Jedi Order I, I like to think of the Jedi Order as as a religion, of course. And, and I like to think of it as in a, in a modern day religion, you know, and, you know, they can't marry, you know, they're not supposed to have, you know, other outside passion and Obi-Wan hits that really well. Um, and, and so going forward into the movies and the show, I, I just love watching Obi-Wan. He, you know, he really doesn't grow too much more. So we, we see his, we see him getting beat up, and just shit thrown at him left and right. And when we get to see him really persevere, you know, we get to see him just stand up and just take it all and, and, you know, just kind of make it. He, he's a bit broken and beat down, but he still survives, you know? And even when he, he leaves, uh, he leaves on his own choice. You know, he makes that decision. He's, he, he, you know, he's decided in that moment, it's time to go. Uh, he's going to be a force ghost now, do his thing. Um, and that's just how Obi-Wan I feel like always was, uh, you know, doing things on his own while always staying in the realm of the Jedi order. So for that, I pick Obi-Wan. Yeah. Uh, Kyle, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I love this pick. I, um, Obi-Wan is certainly, you know, I go back and forth top five top three whatever star wars characters he is uh, a name that always pops up for me um he i think you know recently i went and after binging all of clone wars when season seven came out i you know i finished all of that and then immediately watched uh the first you know i watched star wars i watched a new hope and um his death like in that movie is just so much more impactful after watching all of that because he goes on such a journey on that show. Um, and he really is just such a steady presence in the star Wars universe. You know, a lot of characters go on arcs of learning and growing and maturing or being tempted by the dark side or, or what have you. Obi-Wan really is just a, a, a constant throughout all of it. Like he, he never really changes. Um, you could call that a, a, a uh, what am I thinking? Not static character, but the opposite. Um, 
whatever it is, he, he, he really doesn't change or grow, but that's because he already is just such a constant presence. Um, and yeah, he's, he's far and away the best thing about the prequels. Um, Ewan McGregor, I mean, you know, our, our queen Mallory Rubin is certainly a fan. Uh, and I am as well. Um, no, he just owns those movies and Damon makes a good point. Anakin, uh, has some rather sandy scenes with other characters in in the trilogy, but with Obi-Wan, their scenes are really kind of the heart of those movies. And, you know, it makes the final fight so much more heartbreaking. And when he delivers that line of, you know, you were my brother, Anakin, I loved you. It's just, it crushes me every single time. It's yeah. so sad. Um, he, he just delivers because Obi-Wan is just, he's such a faithful and constant character. Um, I loved exploring the dynamic with him and, um, and Satine. Um, and yeah, he just, he just, he really is one of those, when you think of star Wars, he's one of the first names that pop up and rightfully so um, because he not only epitomizes, we're talking about force users, not only epitomizes everything about being a good force user, but just what star Wars represents, right? Like he is just that, we were introduced to him as kind of the old mentor um, space wizard, kind of the crazy hermit guy, but ultimately becomes the Luke's gateway into the world of the force. And um, I think that uh, he's just so elemental and important to the story of star Wars without him. The story is just drastically different. So I love this pick. Yeah. Yeah, geez, Obi Wan, uh, it's a great pick. I I struggled uh, between him and Ray before ultimately signing with Ray, but um, he's just he's just a great character. Uh, you can make a good argument that Obi Wan is the greatest Jedi of his generation, um, especially after he defeats Anakin, and given um, Mace Windu and, and Yoda's shortcomings, uh, especially uh, with regard to their decision making. Um, Obi Wan. <laughs> He's right up there. <laughs> I guess it's the donkey on Yoda section, but um, yeah. And uh, he's especially at the end there. Um, while he also doesn't see what's coming until it's too late. Uh, he definitely starts to question the council, um, especially uh, with them wanting to put Anakin in the position of having to spy on Palpatine while also recognizing that Palpatine is a threat and that it's suspicious that he hasn't given up his power yet. So even though he's not quite able to see the full picture, he's just about as close as anyone to figuring out what's going on, um, you know, before it all goes down and, and he's stuck on Utapa away from the action. You know, it's... Um, and in the Clone Wars, um, the last season, you know, the the big what if is, you know, what if... Uh, they told Ahsoka what was going on and she'd been able to talk to Anakin. But also, like, what if Obi-Wan had been around? Like, what if he'd been on Coruscant instead of chasing General Grievous, you know, halfway across the galaxy? Like, mm. what potentially could have happened? You know, that's a great point because, really, Palpatine was a great puppet master, but how much luck did that dude have in everything happening? <laughs> Like, you know, yeah. like you said, you know, Obi-Wan could have been there instead and who knows what happened, you know, Anakin, uh, Ahsoka could have been with Anakin instead. Who knows? Um, so many great what ifs. Uh, yeah. So, so as far as Obi-Wan goes, what are y'all, what's y'all's favorite 
uh, iteration of Obi-Wan. What's your favorite look of Obi-Wan? Uh, episode one, two, three, Clone Wars. Uh, do you like uh, old Ben the most? Or what's your, what's your favorite Obi-Wan? Um, I go back and forth between Revenge of the Sith and the Clone Wars. Um, I also want to shout out uh the 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 book kenobi um it's a legends book really really a great kind of standalone story kind of fills in the gap of you know before clone wars and rebels came out filled in the gap of like what he was doing when he initially got Tatooine and protecting baby luke um that's a great look for him but yeah i I go back and forth i i probably will say clone wars tentatively i think that that more than anything clone wars just flushes out so many prequel characters anyway um and especially for obi-wan he really he's like the star of that that series for me um uh, i love a show uh, excuse me i love ahsoka but uh obi-wan just has so many moments to shine on that series and uh like i said before he's just a constant um really in the whole universe but especially on that series so i think that yeah clone wars is is just prime prime obi-wan run um yeah i mean uh kyle sort of took it from me i i I do appreciate old ben um so i I definitely want to give him and and alec guinness a shout but yeah um especially revenge of the Sith obi-wan he's just um yeah he's a he's a force and and you know like you guys have said he's by far the best part of um the prequel trilogy um and you know he's he's just even you know after everything goes down um with, with order 66 you know even though I'm, I'm sure he probably knows he's overmatched but he is willing to go after palpatine you know he's part of it mm-hmm. is i guess some fatalism and and not wanting to face anakin but also you know he feels like it's his duty and you know if he can take down palpatine you know maybe they can prevent the this takeover maybe they can salvage what's left of the Republic from there. So um, he's not willing to shy away from his duty, even uh, with the odds against him. I like it. You know, my answer is going to be an unpopular one, but I'm going to attack the clones. Obi-Wan with the long hair and the beard, you know, (laughs) um, I dig it. I don't know why, you know, it seems like he was trying to go for a little Qui-Gon feel, you know, uh, trying to emulate his master uh, while taking on Luke. I mean, taking on Anakin who, man, I I just love the vibe of them. He was just was so done with Anakin's shit. So early on in the pack of the clones, like (laughs) really the first like few scenes and you're just like, okay, this is how it's going to go. I just like that look from him. You know, there's, there's nothing to it other than I, I like the aesthetic, you know? So uh, with that, I yeah. think we're going to roll to Kyle's third pick. Yeah. Uh, real quick, yes, I want to say one last thing about Obi-Wan. Um, Please if do. If you guys haven't seen it, um, I already referenced um, the showdown between Obi-Wan and Maul in, uh, in Rebels, the last one. But there's a, re- a fascinating uh, interview uh, by Sam Witwer, who voices Maul in um, The Clone Wars, uh, mm. talking about that fight and you know the dynamics of it and where obi-wan is at that point in his life and how maul has just like completely misread the situation it's just a fascinating like (laughs) diagramming of how things happen and and really good insight into where those two characters are at that point 
I'm definitely listening to that after this podcast. Yeah, great, great call out. Um, Sam Whitworth just I, I love him for you know Smallville and for Supergirl, but yeah, he just is one of my favorite things about the Clone Wars. He just he does a great job of he he has a really great understanding. Him and Freddie Prince Jr. both have a great understanding of just the the mechanics of Star Wars and the themes and what makes Star Wars so great. Um so I'm gonna go ahead and roll into my my third pick. Um you know with my first two uh <laughs> you can sense a trend of the fact that I really love uh, Legends canon, um, I, I just I think that's kind of become a trend on this podcast too. I'm always trying to shout out the little guy or the more unknown thing because I think that um, a lot of the greatest Star Wars stories can be found in Legends canon. Um, that being said, you can't you can't say that I'm not a fan of the main stuff either. Um, with this pick, I'm really really glad this character was not picked already. Um, it almost feels like, you know, we don't want to go with them because we know they will be picked and then it ends up, they just don't get picked at all. <laughs> um, so I'm going with Luke Skywalker. Uh, he, um, there's really not much that can be said about this guy. He is the, he, you know, he has the essential hero's journey um, in the original trilogy. And uh, speaking of force users uh, specifically, I think that Luke more than most characters, at least in the the main nine films, has such a such an incredible understanding of and relationship with the Force, um, and we see that grow from you know from the first movie when he's just discovering this whole world um, and being kind of taught by by old Ben, um, and then we get you know the ending of his incredible show of ability when he um kind of wills that blast into the death star and then you know empire has him training and really trying to understand um his place uh as a force user um return of the jedi we get uh probably my favorite version of luke um he's so uh mature and he's grown so much and obviously i'm a sucker for a green lightsaber but uh um, by the time we get to him in The Last Jedi, I think that that was obviously a very divisive take on Luke. Um, but as far as like when it comes to the Force, I think that nothing, it cannot be argued that he has certainly become uh, one with the Force at that point. You know, when we were first introduced to him in that movie, he has basically turned his back on the Force. And, you know, we learn why. It's, an, it's a very justified reason. Um but I think that by the end of that film, much like Yoda, and we get the great scene where he talks with Yoda and Yoda kind of reminds him of where he was before. Um, and he, uh, you know, we, we have uh, kind of the end of his arc when he um, projects himself uh, to, I believe the planet is not Octu. That's where he is. Um, when he fights Kylo, um, he projects himself all the way over there and just displays an incredible amount of power in the force. And I think that only someone who had um, been a student of and had just been learning the force for all of their life could have done something like that. And then we get the really the incredible scene. You know, I have many feel- mixed feelings about The Last Jedi, but the ending of that movie where he um, fades away, just like old Ben. And, you know, the, the binary sunset uh music is playing it's really truly one of my favorite star wars scenes um 
it's an incredible ending to his arc. And um, yeah, I just think that his whole journey is all about um, bringing balance. You know, he does so in Return of the Jedi when he redeems his father. Um, you could argue Anakin does that himself when he decides to save Luke. But I think that it takes Luke to bring back the humanity of Anakin. Um, and that's what it's all about in the end. You know, he's, he's all about, um, that connection with his father. He believes there's still a human being in there behind that, that, uh, that black suit. (laughs) And, uh, um, Luke just, yeah, he has this incredible journey over all these films and, um, also in legends canon, you know, my alternate pick for him, if someone grabbed Luke was going to be his, his wife in legends canon, Mara Jade. And even exploring that relationship uh, is so, so interesting. Um, And Luke, yeah, he just, he displays just so many incredible abilities over these films. And again, just shouts to Return of the Jedi because it's not my favorite Star Wars movie, but man, when he shows up for the first time in that movie, it's just so cool. It's a completely different Luke. And like I said, I'm a sucker for a a green lightsaber. (laughs) Yes, I actually have it in my notes for Luke. Uh, it says black suit, green lightsaber. Luke will always be my favorite, uh, and it, it always yes. like that. Just that that look on his face, and he was just like, "I'm, I'm like, y'all ain't even ready for me." He's like, "I'm here." Um, <laughs> what do you think about that pick, Ryan? Yeah, it's um, you know, it's it's a really good pick. Uh, Luke's the um, original OG, if you will. Um, you know, he's the you know the the main character, I guess you could say, and. Uh, the new hope and, and going throughout the, um, the original trilogy, um, you know, uh, another, you know, massively talented force user, great pilot. Um, and he's, he's really interesting in, um, in the sequel trilogy, because unlike, uh, Obi-Wan and Yoda, um, he, he's not a fully formed master. And, you see him reckon in real time with his failures with Kylo and with, um, uh, with, you know, the new Jedi that he tried to form. Um, it's sort of what makes Ray even more impressive because when Luke was training to be a Jedi, you know, Obi-Wan and Yoda, they were, um, at sort of the peak of their force knowledge. And, um, you know, they had, uh, understood what happened in the past, even if they don't share it all with Luke. Um, and they weren't dealing with the same sort of inner turmoil that Luke was dealing with in that trilogy. Um, and that we see him grapple with that and then eventually uh, face it um, by literally facing Kylo at the end. Um, it's just, it's really, it's really good. Um, I know there's a lot of, um, you know, tension about The Last Jedi and, and Luke's portrayal of it. And even uh, Mark Hamill himself had some issues with it, but, I thought it was great that we saw the vulnerability and um, the bitterness and, you know, him sort of wallowing in his failure after what happens with Kylo. But um, just so just to see the full arc of him um, is, is really good. And he's a really interesting character. Yeah. Like you said, the, the full arc of Luke is, is tremendous and a bit heartbreaking, but uh, you know, I, I love to see how it ended like that. Um, as far as the original trilogy goes, he was personally my favorite um probably my favorite character of the original trilogy um growing up a lot of people kind of like to hate on luke you know they were like he's whiny uh he's kind of lame you know uh, he doesn't really do much he uh 
But I, I just loved Luke, you know, because he he was he was a kid, you know, he was this kid who didn't really know anything about anything but moisture farms, uh, and he just had dreams of going and and being a awesome pilot out there in the galaxy, and you know, being able to to just hit that and achieve that dream while, you know, of course he ends up being a space wizard uh, afterwards, but, um, and, you know, to see him go, you know, he was not expecting this super serious, like destiny, you know, he just wanted to get off his planet and go fly and, and do fun kid stuff. He probably just wanted to kind of party, but, you know, he, he almost kind of balked yeah. when, when Obi-Wan gave him the offer to go, he, you know, he was kind of trying to back out there for a moment. Um, and then to see him in Return of the Jedi, just ready to to get his friends back to do whatever he was needed. He was, and you could see it. He was connected to the Force then, and and I love seeing that because he he was had this very I guess tumultuous uh, tumultuous relationship with the Force in Episodes four and five, and and to see him being able to to come into his own with it uh, in Return was was brilliant. And, and I love that. Uh, that's that's my favorite uh, movie of the the trilogy. People, by the way, is Return of the Jedi. I will say that confidently. I love that. That's um, awesome. Yeah, I just love that Luke got picked because I, I think it would have been bad if Luke did not get picked as as one of our our horsemen of Force users. Um, what's y'all's favorite Luke Skywalker scene or moment? You know, legends or or movies or otherwise. Oh man, um, yeah, Ryan, Ryan, go ahead. Oh, um, sorry, I was just thinking it out loud about how hard that is. Yeah, that's it uh, is. I, I mean, yeah, I just love the um, the throne room scene in Return of the Jedi, and and how he's able to best Vader, and he gets he gets angry because they talk about Leia and how you know if Luke won't turn, then then they'll get her. And he's able to best and defeat um, Vader, but he stops himself and he won't give in to his anger and he won't give in to Palpatine. And um, he, you know, he, he tells them that he's failed and that he is a Jedi and that's what he's going to stand for. And it's just, it's a really, it's a really great scene and it really brings it full circle, you know, with Anakin and, um, you know, Luke has the strength to do what Anakin didn't. And uh, he's able to, um, to resist the the quick and easy path to the dark side. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I, I go back and forth between a lot of picks. Um, I think my number one would probably be uh, him drinking the blue milk straight from the teat in The Lost Jedi. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, uh, that haunts me to this day. Uh, he you know ryan ryan said it but the throne room scene just is one of my favorite star wars scenes in general but um that line there there are few you know this these movies are things i've been i've watched these movies as long as i can remember i mean i return of the jedi was one of the very first movies i remember watching and and a lot of the things in these movies um i still love but you know they don't really give me that kind of goosebumps moment anymore but i will say without fail i've seen return of the jedi upwards of 40 50 times every time he delivers that line you know you failed i'm i'm a jedi like my father before me absolute goosebumps i mean it just it gives me the chills it's just such an iconic scene 
Um, you know, we've already said that's that's Luke at his prime kind of in the movies. And um, yeah, that represents everything about his journey because, um, you know, Ryan put it so well, he really struggles in that whole scene with giving in and just kill, you know, killing Vader because he's giving into that anger. And I think Vader, you know, mentions Leia and about how, how he can turn Leia. And that's almost what kind of tips him over the edge because that's his sister and he loves her. But yeah, the way that he overcomes that and makes that conscious decision, you know, I am a Jedi and then acknowledges that that was his father. You know, I'm a Jedi like my father before me. It's just absolute beauty. That's cinematic magic. I, y'all picked the best one. So I'm just going to go with another one that I really enjoy. If for some reason, I, I love him cutting into the Tauntaun uh, and, and sleeping in it, you know, just to just to survive. Yeah. Uh, I just like that was one of the just one of the most memorable parts of uh, the Empire Strikes Back, especially as a kid. Uh, that, as a kid, that was probably definitely one of my favorite scenes. For, I, I was a weird kid uh, for some reason. I, it's just, you know, he's doing whatever he can to survive, you know, in that cold wilderness. I, I love that whole, the whole scene of Hoth, that whole entire battle and everything. Awesome. I love it. I love Hoth. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, we'll move on from sure. uh, Luke Skywalker. And we're going to roll on to uh, Ryan's last two picks. Awesome. Um, yeah. So, and again, none of these are, are easy picks. There's so many good choices out there. Even if you guys did grab a few of them along the way. Um, <laughs> yeah. So for mine, um, I mean, this, this character just has, has such a big impact on the universe and I sort of teased it earlier about like the what ifs in the Star Wars universe. And I don't think there is a greater what if than uh, my next pick, which is Qui-Gon Jinn. Mm. You know, he's a, uh, he's a proficient Jedi master. Um, but unlike a lot of people early on, he, he recognizes that the dogmatic way of the Jedi and the Jedi council is problematic and that they are sort of like losing touch with the people. And that's why he's um, he's seen as a sort of a rebel or a loose cannon. And, you know, early in the um, Phantom Menace, Obi-Wan's complaining about how he's always going against the council. And, you know, I, I cut Obi-Wan some slack. He's a kid. He's not really able to see the full picture. Um, but Qui-Gon can, uh, can definitely see that the Jedi are losing their way. Um, at the same time, though, he still he still fights for their their mission, and he's an incredibly uh, proficient Force user. Um, he's the first Jedi who discovers how to, at least as far as I know, the first Jedi who discovers how to become a Force ghost, um, and he's able to pass mm-hmm. that along to Yoda and eventually Obi Wan. Um, and then the what if that I, I, I mentioned, and um, you know, Dave Filoni has a great interview where he talks about this, and I also talked about this with a, a friend. Um, you know, it's like, what if Qui-Gon had survived and he had been able to train Anakin? Um, you know, Obi-Wan, uh, you know, he even talks about it. He says, you were my brother, Anakin. You know, him and Anakin were like brothers, but Qui-Gon was more of the father figure that Anakin never had and desperately needed. And if he had been there and able to guide him and to allow Anakin to embrace some of those emotions that he represses, then, you know, the the whole star wars history could have changed um he might not have fallen you know who knows what happens with um with palpatine but um 
it could have been a, a dramatic shift and and you know that's that's why um there's no telling really what could have happened if Qui-Gon had survived but even uh in death he he just leaves such a a long shadow over the universe and, and just drives so many people yeah Kyle what do you think about that Qui-Gon Jinn uh this is a great call. Um, Qui-Gon, you know, we've, we've harped so much about Obi-Wan and rightfully so, but Qui-Gon is such a cool character too in, in Phantom Menace and um, great call too about the Force Ghost. I had forgotten about that up until this point. He is, you know, he's the first known character to uh, harness that power. Um, yeah, that's a big what if. I mean, if, he, if he's still around in episodes two and three, we get a very, a drastically different Star Wars Um uh, he, he is, you know, he, I think he's such an important character, um, when relating these stories to real life, um, you know, not to go too much into it, but just the idea of questioning, you know, those above you is so important, um, especially right now, those authority, authority of you. And he is, um, he, that's that's him to a T. You know, he he's always questioning, and that's so important to question these age-old um, rules and ideals that you know don't really add up all the time. And so he, that's a very very important part of his character. But you know, more so than that, he's just yeah, he's such a cool character. He, um, uh, I remember first watching the the Phantom Menace, uh, so seeing it for the first time and. Uh, I, I had no idea who Liam Neeson was because I was, you know, really young. Um, but after that, going on to see movies like the Taken films and, um, you know, uh, the Chronicles of Narnia films and all these movies that really feature, like, the, you could say the tagline for these movies are Liam Neeson's voice. <laughs> um, and then going back and like understanding, especially in you know in '99 when he came into this franchise, he led he lent such a, an important um, level of like screen presence, him and Ewan McGregor both, but you know, Ewan McGregor's a little younger in Phantom Menace and he just, he, he brings a really great amount of, I would say Alec Guinness like presence to the film. Um, and just, yeah, he, he um, just elevated the character. I think without Liam Neeson, Qui-Gon Jinn is not, a very cool character he he made him just such an, an iconic really wise kind of um removed from it all character which is really important um but yeah this is a great call. i i like that you mentioned that because really like probably more so than anybody uh you know maybe han solo you could argue uh you know you could argue maybe palpatine you know i can't you know i think having liam neeson play qui-gon jinn really like you said gave gave a certain presence to Qui-Gon that was really important since he was only in the one movie. We, we only get to see him for this, this small amount of time. And he really leaves his stamp on the series, the whole saga because of that. And, and we do have Liam Neeson to, to thank a lot of that for, um, I love Qui-Gon's character, super calm. Uh, you know, like he's always questioning, uh, the, the, the force, the Jedi order. And, you know, his, uh, master was Count Dooku. I find that very interesting. Um, yeah. I, I really would have loved to have seen just what kind of interactions the two would have had uh, if Qui-Gon had, you know, survived and made it to episode two um, to see, you know, what 
what kind of relationship they had, you know, what kind of relationship they had before when they were training, you know, maybe that's why Qui-Gon saw pretty quickly that the Jedi order and everything was, was not the best, you know? So, um, I love this pick. I, I absolutely love Qui-Gon Jinn. One of my favorite parts and characters of Phantom Menace. Um, I probably would go back to watch it just because of his parts, actually. Um, and that's a testament. Yeah, really. For sure. Um, what's y'all's what do y'all think would have uh happened is exactly if qui-gon would have trained anakin like how does anakin become different you think um ryan you should take this one man you brought up that great dave uh dave filoni interview but i'd love to hear what you think about this yeah so um i think i think that uh with anakin uh, i sort of mentioned it but he's like He's less inclined to repress his his emotions and his love for for Padme, um, and then also later, you know, his anger at his mom's death. And I think he's better able to um, to deal with those and to face those. Um, I think overall, um, he there. I think um, sort of the the reckoning and the conversations that the Jedi Order needed to have um, would have been precipitated with Qui-Gon and Anakin. And, um, it, you know, maybe it doesn't solve everything. Maybe Palpatine finds another way to bring about their downfall. But I think um, the Jedi would have been redeemed in a way because I think he would have forced them to really look at themselves and, and have those hard, hard conversations that they needed to have and that most of them never got the chance to after order 66. Hmm. Yeah. Um, having, having Qui-Gon around for episodes two and three, especially for Anakin, you know, knowing that he is the central character in this trilogy, um, it would have made a world of difference for his growth. And, you know, Ryan said it, uh, he would have been taught to, you know, maybe embrace the things that he was feeling and not suppress them so much. Um, and, you know, Obi-Wan did the best that he could, but he was like that. He was a brother to Anakin and they did butt heads a lot. And I think with Qui-Gon, he would have been the one to um, come alongside Anakin and raise him like a father, which he desperately needed. That's why he fell so easily into Palpatine's trap because Palpatine kind of, filled that role for him um uh depending on what you think of the theory he really was that role for him you know he he was the one responsible for anakin coming about um but you know uh um qui-gon yeah if if he's around for episodes two and three i think that anakin is a much more well-rounded character as a whole um i think that he's a happier person (laughs) And, uh, yeah, it would have been interesting. I agree with Damon. I think it would have been really cool to see him come across, uh, Dooku again, you know, um, see what their interactions would have been like. And, and also it would have been really interesting if he survives Phantom Menace, what does that mean for Clone Wars? You know, maybe we see him as a character, as a side character in, in the Clone Wars. It would have been very, very interesting. Thank you for mentioning that because I need Qui-Gon and Ahsoka to meet in another world. Oh, I feel like they need yeah, kindred sure. spirits, you know. Um, yeah. And like y'all, I just want to, you know, just going to echo what y'all said. Uh, Qui-Gon just would have let Anakin embrace the emotion and, and the passion and all the other feelings he was feeling that the Jedi Order was just telling him to 
to ignore, just to say, you know, throw those away, cast those aside. And, you know, honestly, I think even if Obi-Wan had been more of a father figure, I still think it would have gone down like it did because Obi-Wan was still very Jedi oriented. He was, he was not about the express yourself, you know, let these things happen. Um, I think with Qui-Gon, you, you just get a more uh, emotionally healthy Anakin. And I think that's better for the whole universe. I, I really don't think yeah. we get Darth Vader if, if that happens. So maybe not as good of a story, but I would love a what if of Anakin growing up and training Luke and Leia as Jedi. Mm, yeah. <laughs> um. So real quick, guys, uh, before we uh, tell everyone our last picks, our la- the last round, we're going to go ahead and take a real quick break. Okay. And we're back. Uh, we are back for our final round of picks. Uh, hate to see it go so soon. This has been so fun. <laughs> but uh, Ryan, bring us home with your, your final pick. Great. Yeah. And, um, like I said, these have all been tough. And uh, geez, Kyle, you brought her up, but I, I really almost went with Mara Jade Skywalker. Yeah. Um, she's such a fascinating character, but I felt like she was a little too similar to Ventress and Ahsoka to a degree um, who we already talked about. So I'm going to go in a bit of a different direction. Um, I like Kyle and sounds like Damon too. I'm also a big KOTOR head. And so um, my last pick is uh, from KOTOR from the first game. Uh, and that's Basil Shan. Nice. Yes. Yeah. She's a, uh, she's really a fascinating character. Um and even though Revan is the protagonist, um, she really drives the story and she's involved in a lot of the most important events in a, a prominent way. Um, she's part of the, uh, the Jedi group that um, originally captures Revan. Um, you know, she goes along with the plan for the Jedi Council to, um, you know, rehabilitate him and effectively brainwash him after he's, um, you know, incapacitated after Malak's attack. Um, and then in the, in the end, um, Bastila really swings how the final battle goes. Uh, you know, if you pick light side, then um, you're able to recover her back to the, the Jedi. And she uh, literally swings the battle in the Republic's favor. Um, if you stay on the dark side, um, she uh, finishes the destruction of the Republic fleet and the, the triumph of the Sith. And um, she just has um, sort of similar to Darth Nihilus, a fascinating force ability that hadn't really been explored. Uh, battle meditation, where through the force, she's really able to um, to see a full battlefield, um, to anticipate all the moves of um, her opponents um, and to counter those. Um, but it's not just a tactical thing. Um, it's also emotional. Um, she can increase the morale uh, and, and also decrease the morale of their opponents. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's just an incredibly powerful um, force ability. Um, and she really masters it 
uh, in the, even though she's so young, like Ray, she's just incredibly proficient in the force. And, uh, she also rocks a double bladed lightsaber. So, um, you know, brownie points for that. Um, and she's just a really good character. And, um, also she is not quite on the, the dogmatic path of the Jedi. Um, the Jedi was a little different back then, but in the canon for KOTOR, um, she ends up marrying Revan and, uh, they have, at least one child together. I don't remember exactly, but um, she's not uh, afraid to uh, submit to her emotions either, um, as we see in the failings of uh, the later Jedi Councils. I, I love that pick. Uh, if you give us just one second, Ryan, I think we lost Kyle. <laughs> uh, okay. Let's see if we can get him back, and then we'll, we'll talk about that awesome pick. Uh, sure. One moment, guys. Hold on. Yeah, Ryan, we're just going to pause right there and then see what happened to him. <laughs> okay. just kind of got kicked out. Man, y'all are making me really want to play Knights of the Old Republic, though. Yeah, I know what you mean. And and they have it, or they, at least they had the original one on um, yeah, for mobile, for iPad, um, but they didn't have KOTOR 2, which really bummed me out. Yeah, I, I really don't even remember a lot of the first one. I was so young. Like, I legit played it, like, I think, like, very recent when it came out. Like, when was it? 2001? Or... Um, no, it was later than that. Uh, I can probably look it up, but I don't... Yeah, it was a while ago, but it was definitely later than 2001. Huh. I just... And, yeah, it was just... It was a bummer, because they were going to make a third one, but then this was... Uh... It was like right. It was in between the period when Lucas Arts was going strong, and then when they eventually got taken over by Disney, uh, uh, got all that creative ability. Um, so it just it just sort of came across as the wrong time to really be expanded upon. So that yeah, you know, Disney getting them was was kind of great, but also yeah, maybe not the best as far as the video games went. Uh, that's sad. We deserved another Knights of the Old Republic. Kyle, you're back. I am. That was weird. Yeah, I could still hear you guys, and then suddenly I <laughs> lost my voice. I guess. <laughs> wow, that is crazy. Um, okay, yeah. So we'll we'll just jump right back into it. Um, just a couple seconds, quiet. All right, hey there, guys. Yeah. Uh, so Kyle just his phone decided to go crazy on him, but uh, he's back with us. Uh, and he heard everything we said. Uh, how did you feel about that pick from Ryan? Uh, I love this. Um, I love how much uh, attention and love Kodor is getting from this episode. Rightfully so. Um, love these games. And yeah, um, Bastila actually was on my board uh, initially. I went back b- between her and my last pick a lot. Um, but she's just such a cool character. She really is so important to that game and that story. Um Ryan said it really well. He said, you know, Revan is the protagonist, but she is so involved in the events of that story. And without her, you know, it's a, it's a drastically different game. Um, and I mean, talk about unique force abilities, uh, such a cool, the way that she, you know, um, can affect like the morale of, her allies and her enemies is so interesting. Uh, we talked about some force abilities we'd love to see on screen. That's certainly one that would be so cool to see on screen. So important in a battle. I mean, that's, that's really cool. And so when we're talking about force users specifically, yeah, Bastila is just, she's crucial for sure. 
I, I love this pick. I wish I had more to add. Um, like I said, I, I, I did play uh, KOTOR uh, way, way back. I do not remember a lot. Um, I really would love to see her, that force power and ability on screen. Um, there's so many of these unique, different kinds of, uh, you know, very specific force abilities that certain, you know, Jedi and uh, force users have like that. And Quinlan Voss, of course, has the ability to see the different memories from touching objects. Um, I wish we kind of a little bit more of that in, you know, on screen. Uh, I feel kind of slighted, not going to lie. Um, <laughs> yeah. But for this pick, um, I, I, I can't uh, I can't say too much more about it, except I'm going to probably buy Knights of the Old Republic uh, 1 and 2 somehow and play them because it sounds too good, guys. Uh, Darth Revan and all that. Uh, the stories sound just as good as any of the movies, really. Mm. Would y'all agree with that? 100%. Yeah, yeah definitely. All right. Anyone, uh, anything else to add uh, on Bas- uh, Bastilla, uh, Sean? Shan? Is it Sean? Uh, it's Sean. I'm not positive. Yeah, no. I think it's Sean. But uh, no, just I just love this pick. That's awesome. All right, then uh, let's. We're gonna move on to Kyle's last pick. All right. Um. So for my final pick, like I said, I I kind of went back and forth between a few, including Bastilla. Um. This is one that um just has been a favorite of mine for a really long time. Uh. As I was starting to get into Legends canon, this was one that I. Um, I was just so impressed by and so fascinated by, um, and really is very instrumental to a lot of the mythology that exists in star Wars. Um, and I'm going to go with Darth Bane. Um, hoping you'd say that. Yeah. Yeah. So this is a character who, you know, he, um, he is the sole survivor of the destruction of the Sith Brotherhood. Um, he, uh, you know, he recognized that Sith infighting had weakened them to the point that the Jedi could destroy them. And so because of this, uh, Darth Bane created the rule of two, um, which is something that's so important to Star Wars mythology. Um, basically, if you don't, you're not familiar with the rule of two, it you know mandates that uh, there can only be two Sith, a master and an apprentice at any given time. There has to be that, that balance. Um, and so Darth Bane is just so important to really the DNA of star Wars and it, specifically the DNA of the Sith and that dark and light balance. Um, but also just on a, on a personal level, Darth Bane, Darth Bane is just so fucking cool. <laughs> I love Darth Bane. I think that, like I said, you know, um, re- when I was first really getting into Legends canon, the two things that I really took away and the two things that I was like, wow, these these are really interesting stories. It was Thrawn and it was Darth Bane. Like, those were my ride or dies. Um, and I wish I could say Thrawn. Obviously, he's not a for- Force user, but just shouts to him, one of my favorite Star Wars villains. But Darth Bane is just so interesting. He... Um, also shows up in uh, the Clone Wars as a kind of a specter and communicates with Yoda. Um, he, you know, he um, he is basically considered the founder of the modern Sith. Um, and you know, you could say a lot about the Sith. Uh, Damon made a really great point earlier that a lot of the, the stuff that they believe and the rules they go by are really exhausting and kind of boring. But before all of that, Bane was really interesting 
uh, important and instrumental to the founding of, of the Sith. And um, I just think that, you know, when you're talking about um, like fundamental and foundational characters uh, in, in the canon of Star Wars, you can't not mention Darth Bane. He, like I said, he's just so important to, to these stories. And um, yeah, I just can't say much more. I just, uh, I love me some Darth Bane. I, I love that pick. Everything I've read about Darth Bane is is t- t- uh, just super exhilarating, really. Like, I, I want to see as much as I can about Darth Bane. Uh, I love Darth Revan, of course, but, like, Darth Bane's, like, one of my favorite, like, old-school characters in, in, as far as the legends and the old old Sith and old Jedi go. Uh like you said, uh, he created the, the 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 role of two, and you know, bringing that up, like like I said, it it's kind of exhausting. You know, the the Sith, you know, they get an apprentice, they they train them, they start hating each other, they eventually uh, betray them. Um, but to see it happen with Darth Bane, I feel would be very refreshing because we we could see him with the Jedi, with the Sith Brotherhood. You know, we could see him in this very very different kind of Sith. Uh, order that we really haven't seen a lot of and then to see him break away from that and really start what we know of the Sith and really see the beginning of it take hold um Darth Bane I, I give him mad respect for starting that and um I also really like the the idea of his swag I mean you know he wears this ancient Sith armor um I, I would love to see more of that you know more ancient mm. Sith uh rituals and, and traditions maybe brought back after the role of two's done, you know, maybe, maybe we'll see, see that uh, reemergence of the brotherhood down the line in the future. Who knows? Yeah, for sure. Um, I love that. Uh, so what do you think, Ron? Yeah. Um, uh, again, another really good pick. Um, and you know, there throughout legends and, and some of the other stories, there are, are a number of, um, ancient Sith Lords that are, are very powerful and um, well regarded, I guess, um, at least to um, other dark side people. <laughs> um, but few of them had the impact that Darth Bane really had. Um, and, you know, he had the foresight to see that uh, if it was just a straight up battle between, you know, a hundred Sith and a hundred Jedi spread across the galaxy that, the Jedi would be able to unite in a way that the Sith just couldn't because of their nature. Mm. Um, and so he started playing the long game and he recognized that um, the Sith were going to have to do things a different way. Um, and, you know, and by instituting the rule of two and sort of getting rid of the mindset of, you know, having a huge Sith army, but constantly betraying each other. Um, he really propelled the Sith. Um, and you could sort of trace that line straight to Plagueis and then Palpatine. Um, and just just the impact that that Darth Bane had, and the um, the foresight that he had to um, to play the long game and to sort of lull the Jedi into a sense of false security while they were um, building their strength in the shadows is, is just really fascinating. Yeah, I like that. Um, any other thoughts or questions about Darth Bane, which is pro- possibly one of the coolest names in the Star Wars universe too? I- yeah. Oh uh, yeah, definitely. for sure. Um, no, nobody. Uh, if not, I think I'm gonna go and go ahead and finish this draft up, guys. Yes, sir. So, uh, wanna, um, like restate our teams then. Yeah, let's let's go ahead and do that. Uh, you wanna go ahead and start, Ryan? 
Yeah, so I have um, Ray, uh, Ray Skywalker, um, and then Asajj Ventress, uh, Qui-Gon Jinn, and Bastila Shan rounding out my four horsemen, mm. or women, I guess, mostly. <laughs> yeah, I, I love I love the women heavy lineup. Uh, that's super strong. I, I would love to see Ray and Asajj together. I, I dig that. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so for my four, I have uh, Darth uh, Plagueis. I have um, Darth Plagueis is kind of the, the scientist. He is the guy in the background kind of um, learning and understanding the force and how he can manipulate it in the background in the shadows. Um, I have Darth Nihilus, um, the force vampire who just I really want to see on the big screen. Um, he'd make for some really, truly scary kind of terrifying scenes. Um, he is obviously the antagonist of Knights of the Old Republic too. Um, I have to balance out these guys. I have Luke Skywalker, um, you know, the, the OG of the OGs, uh, and I have Darth Bane. Super solid, very dark, very Darth. So Darth. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I love the Luke pick. I think the Darth Bane picks my favorite. I think maybe in the whole draft, just because of what he did for the Sith and he really changed the game for everybody. Um, so, um, so I guess, the, so my, my team, uh, which is not finished yet, uh, consists of Ahsoka Tano, Darth Maul and Obi-Wan Kenobi. Uh, you know, the three people who fought each other multiple times. A lot of history. Um, so we're going to go with someone who's never met any of these other people, at least to my knowledge. Uh, well, okay, I will say she has met Obi-Wan, but not for long. Um, but she's done her damage in, uh, in the other movies. Uh, and she's someone very, very important to the, to the saga. Someone who I really wish we could have seen more of her Force powers and abilities um we see a little bit of the uh potential in rise of skywalker um but i just wish you know she just didn't have all those uh responsibilities you know helping uh run a war a a resistance rather you know so i'm going with general leia organa i love it yeah um i you know she she you know maybe gets overthought uh, uh you know not thought about a lot when you think about force users but I mean, she's Luke's brother. She's Anakin, Anakin's daughter. Uh, she has just as much force ability and potential, I believe, as Luke. Um, she just doesn't really even know that it's there even longer than Luke does. You know, we see as soon as Luke realizes he has the ability, he starts training and he's able to tap into the force rather easily. And then Leia, we don't even really see that ability until... I believe what uh force awakens uh do, do we see her touch it at least a little bit in return of the jedi maybe um i i cannot remember that but uh we see her able to essentially feel everyone around her you know she's able to tap into the i think the spiritual spiritual side of the force very very well um she's able to sense uh kylo her her son uh so far away she's able to sense uh where where han is at in in many uh instances uh she's just i feel very intuitive with the force um and you know we see that she did a lot of training with luke um in between the the original trilogy and the sequel trilogy 
and of course, you know, we don't get to see full Jedi master Leia, but I think what she's able to do going forward, being a general, being able to help inspire so many people, um, while also being attuned with, with the force. I, I really do think that was an important factor, uh, to help her be at ease and, and make the right decisions. Um, and, and I love Leia. I, I think she needs to be represented as much as possible in these podcasts. So Carrie Fisher is, is a goddess. I, I miss her very much. Um, and she gave us someone wonderful with Leia, someone very confident, someone who never, ever backed down. I mean, she looked Vader in the face and was just like, I don't care who you are. I'm getting these, these plans where uh, they're needed. And mm. And for that, Leia is my four horsemen, my fourth horseman of Force users. Awesome, yeah, Ryan. What do you think of this pick? Yeah, it's um, it, it's a great pick. Uh, you know, Le- Leia was um, groomed to be a leader um, from the early days, and you know, she just took off from there. Uh, Imperial senator, um, leader in the rebellion, um, and then she's the really the first person and the higher ups uh, in the new Republic that sees the threat of the first order for what it really is. Um, and so she organizes the resistance um, so that they are around and they're needed. Um, and then, you know, she, she makes the ultimate sacrifice and she does it twice really like first when she first has the vision that, you know, her Jedi is just training is going to cause her son's death. Um, she walks away from that aspect of it. Um, but I think like Damon said, keeping um, the abilities of the force to inspire um, the, um, the resistance. Uh, and then, you know, at the very end, um, even though she didn't know that Kylo would eventually turn back, um, she's still willing to sacrifice herself for him anyway. Um, and then, uh, that sacrifice is what's able to um, drive him back towards the light and uh, um, redeem him uh, because of his mother's love. And um, yeah, she's just phenomenal. And I, I wish, you know, besides the, um, the force flying, I guess, in uh, the last Jedi and then um, the sort of brief training thing we saw in rise of Skywalker, I, I do really wish we'd seen a bit more of Leia and her force abilities, but yeah, it's a, is a great pick and she's definitely worthy to be on this list. So, yeah. Um, Damon mentioned, you know, spirituality of force and that's so key to Leia. Um, when I think of Leia, I just think of a true believer, uh, to quote Stanley. Um, she is just, um, I talked about this with Obi-Wan being like a constant in this franchise and Leia is the same way. Um, you know, we get, uh, we get kind of the first inkling of of the fact that the force runs in her veins as well in as early as empire you know when um when luke kind of speaks to her and asks, you know she like senses him and they go to help him and she knows where he is like they have that connection and back then i'm sure people were wondering if that was just like a sibling thing or whatever but it's very clear that it's the force. Um, and it's because the force runs so strong in their family. Um, and yeah, I'm with Ryan. I would have loved to see more, um, with, you know, her training as a, as a force user. Um, I love in the opening of rise of Skywalker when Ray is training and then 
we get the the cut to Carrie Fisher and she hands her her lightsaber like that made perfect sense to me that she would be training her in the absence of Luke. Um, not just because they already have that established relationship, but because Leia is probably more knowledgeable about the force than anyone else in Ray's life. Um, and I just think that, yeah, she, um, uh, more than a lot of people on any of our lists is someone who like just respects the force and appreciates the force for the mystical thing that it is, you know, kind of like the, the religion that it is. Um, and, uh, yeah, you know, it. I, a lot of people kind of make fun of the the scene in The Last Jedi when she, you know, the Leia Poppins scene when she flies through, through space. And I honestly think the only reason it's made fun of is because it looks so silly. I think the like the like the nature of it it doesn't contradict anything. You know that of course that would happen because, like I said, she has the Force running through her, and so. I, you know, I didn't, I remember when I saw that in theaters and Kylo blows the ship up, I was about to like leave the theater. I was like, cause Carrie Fisher had, you know, just recently passed away. And I was like, if that's how they kill the character off, like that's really upsetting. Um, obviously it doesn't go down that way. Um, but yeah, I remember, you know, everyone was just really laughing at kind of like the weird image of the way they did it. And I think really that was just because of how silly it looked. Um, but yeah, she just, um, she just has a force just flowing through her veins and that's so evident in every scene. And yeah, it's so important later on in Rise of Skywalker. She's instrumental to Ben turning back and becoming Ben again. You know, she uh, ultimately sacrifices herself to do that. Um, it's not really clear uh, on like how that goes about, but it's clear that that's kind of her final act as a mother and as a force user is to to bring her son back. And I love the point Ryan made about how she, yeah, she made the conscious decision back in the day to turn away from training, you know, to protect Kylo or to protect Ben. Um, but she always kept that part of herself like that never left. And so, yeah, I love that. That that's probably my favorite pick of the draft Damon. That's just so interesting to me because um, you know, people, you say force users and people aren't immediately going to say Leia. Um, but for force users and just for star Wars characters in general. Um, yeah. She stands above. I mean, she's one of the best for sure. Yeah. Go ahead, Ryan. Oh yeah. Sorry. Real quick. I just wanted to say, um, and in comparison to the, um, the trio and the original trilogy and, this isn't really meant as a criticism of Luke and Han, even though it, it kind of is. Um, but when, uh, you know, when Ben is turned and, and when he goes to the dark side, um, they both run and hide in their own ways. You know, Luke literally, you know, going to Octu and, and cutting himself off and Han going back to smuggling and Leia on the other hand, is, no, you know, I'm going to stand and fight and, you know, fight for the galaxy and, and fight for my son. And, and she's really, the leader um, and, and carrying the weight uh, before they both eventually uh, are, are brought back into the fold. Mm-hmm. That's a great uh, point. I mean, I, I feel like Leia was really the, the glue, the force that kept them together. You know, that the, those three, the trio, uh, Luke and Han and Leia, like, and then of course, even Chewie and R2 and C3PO. Like, I, I just feel like she really kept them going. Like, she knew what the she really was the one that had anything to do with the war more than more you know more so than them luke was you know 
a possible, you know, secret weapon in the war. You know, he was a pilot fighter, of course, but uh, with Leia, you know, she was going to be a part of the strategy. She was a freaking uh, senator at the age of 18. She she was a part of this world her whole life, really. And she was determined to to help make the, the universe a better place. And she's still doing that up until her last dying moment, you know, um, she's always trying to make the world better, trying to, to leave it better off, uh, than it was before. And she's never, she just never backs down. I, I think Leia might just be the most, um, courageous person in the entire saga. Um, and I don't mind saying that I'll, I'll say it. I'll, I'll say that's a hot take maybe, but I, I just love Leia. I love general Leia. I agree. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. So with that, I believe that uh, caps us off. Uh, we all have our four horsemen of force users. Um, guys, I think those are really good lists. And if anything, y'all just made me really want to play Knights of the Old Republic and read Legend. <laughs> <laughs> Mission accomplished. World for the next year. Thanks. <laughs> Any final thoughts on the teams we have on the on the four horsemen? Uh, I just, yeah, I love just a quick shout out, like my favorites from both of your lists. Um, Ryan, I really love Qui-Gon Jinn. That's a, uh, I won't say dark horse pick, but um, Qui-Gon is, I think, sometimes overlooked um, when people talk about, you know, force users and and kind of standouts. Uh, And so, yeah, Qui-Gon is probably my favorite pick from your list. He's just, what a badass. Um, And then Damon, you know, you know I love Ahsoka, but yeah, Leia's probably my favorite pick. She's we just talked about it, but she's just uh just a force in this franchise and uh really just a wonderful character. So these are and awesome I'll, lists too, because they're just they're so different, you know. They're yeah. very different. And I wanted to second that with Qui-Gon for you, Ryan. Just Qui-Gon really like we he was the first force ghost. He figured that out, and I feel like people just don't think about how attuned he was with the force. It it seems like it's really understated that who knows what his, what he could have done really. Like for all we know, Qui-Gon could have been the most powerful force user. You know, we, I don't think he would have ever shown his, uh, his whole hand. So right. I love that pick. And I, I love that Asajj is on that team on your, on your squad. Also love it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thanks. And um, yeah, your, you guys list um, Damon. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I thought you had some great picks, but um, definitely Ahsoka. Um, you know, even though I, I like my list, part of me wishes I had taken the first pick so I could have taken Ahsoka. She's just, <laughs> like, uh, a, a phenomenal character. Um, and then Kyle, um, again, yours, your list is really fascinating. Um, but the Darth Nihilist pick was, was just, he's, he's just so, such an interesting look on the force um, and like a real wild card and something that like a lot of people would have had a lot of trouble dealing with. And it's just a, a really interesting pick. Mm, yeah. Just the source of so much frustration for me growing up playing KOTOR too. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I will say, I, I feel like he, out of all those Darth Nihilus is the only one that's a threat to the force. You know, he was trying to just kind of destroy it. You know, everyone else was trying to, kind of find balance and everything but nihilists just seem to just kind of want to take it all yeah um, yeah that that's creepy to me um <laughs> this was a really fun one y'all uh i love star wars so i, I could talk about it for for another hour y'all want to <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, yeah. But and- I, I think that's going to do it for everybody. Ryan, we really loved having you on as a guest, man. Yes. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for having me. I, I had a blast. Um, but like every other episode, if you have any thoughts, uh, comments, criticisms, ideas for future episodes, just hit us up on a Planet Fantasy Podcast at gmail.com. Um, Kyle, were we were were we talking about maybe doing some other stuff here soon? Yes. Um, so Damon and I floated around the idea. Um, we talked about, you know, setting up a, um, we talked about social media, like a Twitter feed for the podcast or maybe a discord server, um, just to get the word out. Um, so if you're interested in that, obviously, you know, hit us up at that, uh, that Gmail account or, um, you know, uh, hit us up on Facebook or, or whatever. Um, uh, we just want to get the word out. We love doing this. Uh, this is just, uh, an excuse for us to nerd out each week. And, uh, um, I just love talking about this stuff with you guys. And so, yeah, just to echo what Damon said, if you have any ideas for future episodes, or if you're interested in any of the above, you know, discord server or, or what have you, um, please hit us up and, um, we will, we'll catch you next time. And real quick, speaking of next episode, we do yes. have a teaser for the next one. Do you like sequels? Do you have a movie that you wish they made a sequel to? Well, uh, we might have a good episode for you next week. Next time. Uh, And I think that's going to wrap us up. Uh, And we'll see y'all on Sunday, everybody. Y'all have a good one. See ya.